0: On the first episode of season three of the Bet the Process podcast, Jeff and I begin by discussing the Jambo's Picks Twitter mess, I don't know what else to call it, and in in depth, believe me, it goes on for a while, before finally talking about football a little bit, Not, not as much as many of you would hope, but we give a few a few nfl and college football picks we hear jeff's baby crying a little bit and i literally now see jeff's baby very cute and that's that's what's on this podcast so uh enjoy bet 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 the process bet Bet, bet, bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not the typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for pics, you're in the wrong place. Find a town with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking. We're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media
1: coverage of sports gambling is... Pathetic. Welcome to the Jambo's Revenge episode of the Bet the Process. Uh, this this is season three, Rufus. Is, this, made, is this episode one free. of season three? When we haven't been canceled yet. Oh, wait. We're the only ones that could cancel ourselves. So maybe it's not really that big of a deal that we haven't been canceled. So one thing that we obviously want to dive right into, and it's, you know, I haven't actually been following our friend Michael Schwimmer on Twitter recently. Um, I'm assuming he's still out there tweeting and about this. And I did see this whole thing about the the Capital One like guarantee all this kind of stuff. You know, I know he wants to come on this podcast and you know, I think based on maybe what people on Twitter tell us, maybe we'll we'll think about it, but the reason that I think we wanted to have this conversation without him on it is we wanted to have a conversation that was devoid of consistent every point we make it getting sort of refuted from a almost, you know, just just like that nothing that they could do could be wrong in any, in any way, shape, or form. So let's start at the beginning. One, how, how comfortable are you talking about your just involvement with this, I guess is the question. Well, I mean, I'm not involved in, in Jambos at all. Right, obviously. but I mean, he made it sound like you had been scrutinizing and you were this third-party view. So what what did you really – what role had you really played in any of this? And And, you know, it's known that you – and swimmer are friends from well, growing up. And-
0: well, we I did not know him growing up. I actually met him last fall. He had he had messaged me, I think, like a few years before that. But we we actually met last fall and he was talking to me about this um this potential endeavor and all that. And and so I kind of, you know, once they did launch their pick stuff, um well, first off I should say I was kind of I was pretty honest with him about my thoughts on, on it, given my thoughts on pick selling. And so that's, that's no surprise to him, but, you know, and and I think he wanted to do something where he kind of wanted to revolutionize the pick selling and and do something that nobody else has ever done. And I, when he launched, they launched like this sort of free pick stuff. I actually, you know, I I was interested enough to like follow along and, and sort of see if, they were doing things the right way. If they were posting consensus lines, et cetera, how they were grading things. And I gave him some feedback. And it, then, was,
1: it was interesting to me, though, that you, I think initially, and, you know, again, like, I, I think you felt you almost wanted to believe that there was a way that this business could be different than the rest of the touting business. No, I would And it just seemed to me to be, like, almost absurd.
0: What? Well, when was this?
1: I mean... Early on, when you were talking to him about the business, and you told me about it, and you said, "Hey, you know, it, 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 do you think there's a way that you could do this?" And the the problem is that you know there isn't.
0: <laughs> well, there's there's no way to scale it. There, there just isn't. I mean, there's basically. I mean, I think the fundamental problem is that if you have winning picks. And you have a lot of subscribers. You're going to move markets. It's it's the same thing Doctor right. so Bob let's, faced let's, in the early 2000s when he got hot and he got a bunch of let's you know, let's 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 wait on that because that's
1: that's sort of like the punchline of all of this, right? Okay.
0: Let's go back. So so you were involved.
1: You were interested in what they were doing as a third party observer. You spent time. You well, know, he reached out to me, so I talked to him about it. Right. And you spent time with them and, and whatnot. And and I think both of us were impressed with the level of people that he was able to hire to do the analytics, right? So to be, you know, as as uh, fair and as objective as possible, that's one area I think that we will give them credit for, right? Like the people that he had working on this were, were people that generally seemed like we respected in terms of actually like being able to do analytics, correct? Yeah.
0: Yeah, he had he had some um, some people from sports organizations. He got some people out of college with with good backgrounds in and, and, you know in and stats and machine learning.
1: Okay, so let's assume that 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 we believe in the analytics, right? And we think like, okay, that that that. But the problem with that, right, is that's the smallest piece of this puzzle, right? That's the beginning of this. That's not something that, like, is the determiner of things. So if we just start with, like, first principle, like, okay, maybe they can beat the market with their numbers, right?
0: So here's a question for you, Jeff. Why are there not other companies out there that have put together teams of good data scientists and tried to beat the market? I mean... I think there are, right? I mean, isn't
1: that essentially what, you know, Billy Walters did at some level? And I mean, the reason this this isn't like, this isn't rocket science, right? In terms of why this is not necessarily a good idea. Because the scale, the ability to deploy this capital, it's just not worth it, right? That's exactly
0: what I was saying. It's why I don't, it's why I don't have a team of 20 people, right?
1: That's why this drives me crazy. This is like, this thinking is so primitive in terms of like, how to approach and beat sports betting. Like it has nothing to do with whether you can originate a number that can beat the market. It's about whether you can actually do that at any kind of scale and deploy that capital and consistently evolve that number. And you know, like it's just like, it's just so this whole thing is, so, it drives me crazy cause it's so part and parcel to like why this industry is so challenging to beat. And it's like, you can't just come up with some new model that all of a sudden like, ensures like payment and all this kind of stuff. Now again, let's take a step back. Let's say that they can create an originating line that can beat the market. Okay.
0: What's the, the right back. so so the question is what is the value of that? What,
1: what is has value? value?
0: Subscribers, right? Sorry? What is, the, what, is what, the the, subscribers? what is the value of that to subscribers? Well the value of that to subscribers you know, is obviously inversely related to how many subscribers there are. And right. I mean so Well I don't even know if
1: that's true. I mean, it's just—it's more sure. It's probably there's probably some correlation there. When the subscribers get more and more, the value becomes less and less to all of them. And I think that the concern, and, and I've had people from the sports betting industry that are experts reach out to me concerned about Jambos specifically because they worry that um, this first season that they will beat the market. And that they will get a lot of notoriety and that there will be a lot of like chest beating or chest thumping and a lot of PR and earned media around all this stuff. And then next year, they're going to be a ton of subscribers because all of a sudden, you know, there's this new thing that can help you beat the market. And either their, you know, their, their edges are going to get smaller or the ability to get down on their games is going to get even, even harder. And You're going to have a whole bunch of people losing a bunch of money. And at that point, This could be like the, the, you know, the touting scale uh, and the losses of, of, you know, astronomical proportions.
0: Right. In in fairness to Michael, he did say, like, once it gets to that point, they're going to stop doing that and that this is just kind of a stepping stone to something else. I mean, I think my guess is he sees this as a way to build a reputation as being good at this, which you don't really get just betting. I mean, because you're betting, nobody knows how well you actually do. So, I mean, I don't know to what end that um i don't know what's the end goal from that like what he's going to be stepping to but um and i don't know if that's the right way to sort of prove yourself but um i i do think i don't think this is necessarily the end goal or if it, if it is i don't think that is you know so I, then
1: the question becomes is this a good means to an end goal and if the end goal is like we all believe that like the end goal for analytics is to be like the central clearinghouse for all sports betting right like if you basically are the ones making the line and seeing all
0: the trades you're going to get a lot of value out of this right right so so, like so here's a like so you have some a company like deck prism with our, our our friends matt and ed who are basically trying to sell Live, a live product to, to books, which has a lot of value, I think, because it's something that there isn't really a market determining the price. If, if things happen so quickly, you sort of like that does have value to a book. But if you have like a pregame line, I don't really see the value to a book quite as much because it is, very, it is so much um, determined by the market and just because I mean, you there's, can, a lot of, there's a lot of debate about this like there because there's other companies not just deck
1: prism there's a company called simple bet, and there's a company called swish analytics
0: no, simple bet has a ton of i mean they hired like the entire harvard machine learning department basically and, and so they're all all these
1: companies are trying to build a better mousetrap and it's interesting because it's like does anyone even really care if you have that better mousetrap right well ultimately if it's a market you're just moving things based on the way the market goes. And if you're not taking real action, I mean, it's like this whole, it's, it's so complicated to understand where the value in this ecosystem is. And to Deck Prism's thing, what, what they're, if you talk to like Ed and Matt, the thing that impresses me most about them is that they're less fixated on, hey, we want to create a way for the books to make money. They're basically saying like, we want to create a way for books to actually make a fair market. So they, they can accept bets and they can create a good user experience, right? The in-game user experience is like a piece of shit because you imagine that like seven, even if you're on Chris, 75% of your bets are going to be rejected probably. And how is that a good user experience? If like you were a bank and you knew that 75% of your customers' transactions were going to get rejected, you wouldn't think that that was a very good product. So yeah. like the the notion of what they're trying to do is very altruistic, right? And, and that's kind of like one of the things that... I love about the way that they're approaching things. Whereas I I feel like there is not a lot of like, you know, I think Michael claims to be very, very much like, Oh, I want to take down the touting industry. And I think he's uh, sincere when he says that, but I think like a guy like Dr. Bob or a guy like right angle, they also don't think of themselves as touts and they think of themselves as above it. And they think of the other people in the industry, you know what I mean? There's Mm -hmm. all these people with these same approaches And and, you know, one interesting thing that I was thinking about was if you compare Jambo to Spanky, right, there's some similarities there in that they're both basically trying to use analytics to help gamblers make money while profiting themselves. Now, Spanky has a totally different model. And I don't know if you saw like, did you know that our friend Alan Boston hates Spanky?
0: I don't know if you saw. I mean, Alan Boston hates a lot of
1: people. <laughs> no, but I mean, there's, do you, you don't think there's any merit to why he doesn't like him? Or do you, think, do you ever think about why he doesn't like him? I, I don't know. Why, why doesn't he like him? Well, just think about it for a second. Think about why. I, I haven't talked to Alan about this, but think about the thing that Alan hates. Alan hates sending a, setting, sending a pick out and having that pick basically be completely you know, extracted of any value for the rest of the market. Like he hates like the idea that a big guy will come in and basically like suck all the value out of the work that he did. I'm assuming that's why he, because remember last year, he was always pissed off about releasing numbers and like people would come and those numbers, you know, someone would bet him too early and like no one would be able to get down on his numbers and whatnot. And he hates that kind of thing. And yeah. so there is is there there is isn't an angle, again, to think about how much, do, you know, do you think it's it's fair to say that you know, basically Spanky hurts, the, his model hurts every get gambler that doesn't work with him?
0: Um, I don't want to say every, but yes, I think if you're trying to scale, his model can't, yeah, I, th- I think that makes sense.
1: Because essentially what he's doing is, and someone else said it, I, I don't remember someone else on Twitter basically said, you're taking someone else's IP and, you know, then you know, extract like taking all the value out of that IP. So you're basically taking value away from other betters, is what he, is what this person was saying. And I, I thought that was an interesting thought because you know we we've talked about his model, and you know we we've you know we 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 get it, we understand it. We certainly think that there's you know intelligence in what he's doing, and you know there's technology in what he's doing to be fast and all that kind of stuff. And you know he's he's definitely really well known. Every time I talk to like a a big time, um, bookmaker, they all know him and whatnot. Um, so I'm not, I'm not saying he's not legitimate and I'm not saying his methods don't make money. I'm just saying like, is there a world where there is, there is this, you know, negative to what he's doing for the overall sports betting market, especially now, you know, like they're, they're saying they're only going to accept sports betting
0: partners with like 16 accounts, like 16 outs. That's, that's crazy. (laughs) So I, mean, I, don't, I I think anytime you put a pick out though I mean there's going to be people that are trying to I mean especially if you're if you're getting down on a bigger scale um, you are going to deal with some leakage and some people moving afterwards and you know I mean and, and it it doesn't really become a secret anymore and obviously a big part of betting is trying to disguise your plays and and, and not leave as much of a footprint to sort of preserve future value but. You know, this is this kind of really ties in well with with the issue that, that Jambo's is going to have as well, um, just because they're going to leave such a massive footprint if their stuff is good that suddenly, you know, they're they're but but they're going to be cannibalizing the, their own user base and making it much tougher for them to win in the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I know our friend Preston right now is is you know he he like has sends me some of his picks from time to time and. I watch those picks, and he gets tremendous closing line value on those because I believe there's there's a, f- a fair amount of people that might be playing his picks, and also because he's he's good. I mean, I think he knows what he's doing. Um, so I mean, I think he, and, and the scale that he's at is is certainly not going to be what Jambo might be at if they did have a very successful first year. So I think it's just again like th- there's nothing new here. It's like a sheep in wool's clothing, and there's like some subterfuge and some you know, like hocus pocus kind of stuff. But the reality is it's, it's the same kind of thing, which is that it's really hard to make money in sports betting. And it's even harder to make other people to make, to make money in sports betting without actually being at at someone else's expense.
0: Yeah, I agree. Do you want, do you want to talk at all about the sort of mechanic, like the mechanics of what they're doing and their sort of guarantee and all that? Or no,
1: yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I I, I don't, I, I guess like the, the reality is that the, the, when I see something like that, I, I think like, oh, this is too good to be true. And when something's too good to be true, it usually is too good to be true.
0: Well, and then the um, problem is also you have Michael marketing it in a way that kind of is like a typical tout. He's being like, oh, we're changing it. We're, we're completely different than everybody else, you know, and which is exactly what every tout says. So even if he is completely different than any, everybody else, we're all like, "Oh yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that spiel before." Yeah, I mean, I think the guarantee is, it, it, and
1: it, I think I think people are skeptical, and people are naturally looking at that guarantee. And, and I do think that Michael's intentions on the guarantee are sincere, um, but I think the I think that sometimes he really like underestimates. The feasibility of some of these things. So so let's put it to you this way. Well, Let, let's just say that, let's say he raised X amount of money and he has X amount of money in reserve and he has, you know, this this guarantee around 17 weeks or whatever around the different things. If, if one bad season or one bad 17 week season has the opportunity to more or less bankrupt your company, or at least get it down to a, a scale where it's, it's pretty low, that's really not a smart bet at the core, um, you know, like the idea that, that you're banking your success on such a small window, I think is, is at the core, not like a very, uh, intelligent way to sort of
0: run a business or start a business. Right. But the question is, what are the odds of success and what's his payout if he succeeds versus if he fails? Cause if he fails, you know, the company can go bankrupt and he can start another company. There's no, you know, versus So, So I, I don't think it's, inherently just from a business perspective, a bad bet. I don't know if you can put everything into one 17 week season, but. I don't, yeah. I don't,
1: I mean, I think that that's a horrible, horrible way to look at the world. Right. But I'm, I'm I just fail and lose all my investors this money and I can just go start another. And I really hope that's not what he's thinking.
0: I mean, investors, people start company, you know, investors are Rufus, gambling on Rufus, him basically. Right.
1: Rufus, remember who you're talking to.
0: Yes. I understand. You understand the, you un, I, yes, I, you understand I, business I understand and startups more than I do. Of I course. understand the
1: risk of venture. Okay, but if I, as a CEO of a startup, ever said something like, Oh, if this fails, I'll just go start another company, that's the day that like, you know, every investor should not necessarily want to work with me. I mean, there's yeah. certainly like it's okay to fail and you know, most startups fail, but you can't think that way and you can't put your you have a fiduciary responsibility to put your company in a position that it has, you know, high likelihood or as high a likelihood to succeed and not burn in hell, by because of one bad year. Yeah. So I don't agree with you that that isn't, you know, I, I think that that's a very, um, I mean, I just, I just wouldn't be comfortable with it if I were, if I were an investor, and and maybe he's like that comfortable with that risk,
0: and so that, that's him, that's on him. Well, and I think you know, you know why he was able to raise this money, right? I mean, because Big League Advance has been pretty successful, from what I understand. It doesn't raising yeah. money doesn't mean shit. I mean, no, like you if, if you're money, successful like, in one thing, can, like
1: anyone that's had any level of success can, can raise, raise money. money. There's so much you have money. people that want to invest in you. Like people, people think when you raise money, like. For, you know, like the last company I had, when I raised money and I was done running, people would like send me notes congratulating me and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know what? That This doesn't mean anything. You actually have to take the money and make something of it. You have to work. Like the the easiest part is raising money. And then the actual part of like making that money worth more, that's really, really, really hard. So. Yeah. Anyways, so, um, so any but, more on
0: this? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I was, you know, so so it's what seventeen weeks, or I guess it was for people that signed up at the beginning of the season, and you get what three thousand dollars if if um, if it doesn't win, you get ten thousand dollars back. But and there's a guarantee of a thousand picks, which seems kind of see. I don't understand how they're going to hit that guarantee of a thousand picks. I guess it's going to kind of we're going to get into college basketball season before the end, which is probably going to be what gets them there because once baseball's done like you'll just have nfl and college football and there aren't that many picks available but my my concern is that you know if if they're if if they're not going to be able to get to a thousand picks then you know they'll start um you know they'll start giving out things like props and first quarter bets and things that are very small markets um like i don't even think you can consider props a market um and and by the same token, if 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 they're down, I think they'll start releasing a lot more picks and a lot smaller market stuff. And the whole point is, he said, this is for a $300 better, not for any, for bigger than a $300 better, which basically sort of allows him to say, okay, well, you know, ev- anybody can get down $300 on a prop, which also is not true. Um, hmm. So, so he kind of is saying, well, you know, you're not intended to be able to bet $5,000 on this stuff. You're only intended to be able to bet $300 on it, but who's going to spend $3,000? What $300 better is going to invest $3,000 into, um, into a service, right? I mean,
1: I'm, I want to, I would like to see, you know, he, he, again, like he has sort of an answer for everything, um, He's got a tremendous amount of energy to argue with people on Twitter, and to probably argue with people in real life, um, and that that's like a very <laughs> challenging thing when you when you go through any of this. So it's almost like I just would like to see how this all plays out, and I will you know keep my fingers crossed that it doesn't play out in um, a catastrophic way for for anyone. Um, I don't I don't you know wish any kind of ill will or bad luck to him, I, I certainly would love for him to do well. Um, but I also am, you know, like you said, I think we're well, both very skeptical of like various pieces of this. And ultimately we're, we worry about what the ramifications of this could be if, if it does blow up.
0: Well, Jeff, you just said that I'm going to call bullshit. Cause you said before that you said like, you essentially hope it doesn't do well because of what it could you know what that would portend for the future of sports betting and of that service i didn't say i don't
1: hope it would regardless of what i hope right i think if it i i think it would worry me if it did amazingly at first and then all of a sudden people jumped on um because i think that that would ultimately be you know uh this is like someone's going to be left holding the bag at some point, right? And it, and the, if they does really well at first, there are going to be a lot of people left holding the bag. I certainly don't wish ill will. That's on, a good. That's on, a good point, there the People that are subscribing, right? Like, I, it's but it's a it's, it's a very like I don't the, the nuance here is that I worry very much, and again, like I had people that I trust and respect a lot that just generally care about making this industry. And like, I think ultimately what we care most about is that this industry grows and is successful and doesn't come under high scrutiny from regulators and is allowed to flourish and allow people are allowed to innovate. And that's what we want more than anything. And we don't want something to cost to cast a, you know, like a a black mark on the industry. So we want to avoid that sort of at all costs.
0: So, Jeff, let's say it is successful, at least at the beginning. Um, and let's say that the picks do well. Let's say somehow it doesn't move markets uh, too much so that people can get down at the release prices. Uh, does this set any sort of precedent in the the picks the pick selling industry? Is there pressure on other pick sellers to offer some sort of guarantee? And, uh, you know, no. And I also, so. I mean, well, I, think, I think honestly, like- easy, yeah
1: this is not like pick selling is this is marketing, right? Yes. They're going to do some other form of mar. And they, a lot of, some people do do guarantees. They just guarantee it in terms of like more of their crappy picks. Right. So it's like the problem with the touts is like to, to discuss like the tout, the person who buys a lot of picks from touts, you're not talking about a rational person, right? You're talking about a rational decision thing and hoping and dreaming that someone can give them, um, an edge and where they, where they couldn't get one. So, um, I mean, to say like this is going to have a positive impact on the touting industry, the touting industry is, is inherently a mess regardless of who's involved. And like, again, we'll go back to Right Angle and, and Dr. Bob, you know, we were t- we've were we been tough on Dr. Bob, but I, I certainly think Dr. Bob has the right intentions at heart. And I certainly think there was definitely a time where he could really beat the market and and you know, for a little while was providing value to his subscribers. Now that's changed because of how good he is now and, and how much he's able to um, influence the market. And, and so, you know, some of his edges have, have and, and generally, I think a lot of the analytical edges in the markets have, have disappeared, you know, like they're They're all I I have seen disappear basically right before our very eyes. (laughs) Like there's not anyone that that denies that is not looking at the actual the actual markets or is not actually betting games because you just you don't you're 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 like a deny in denial.
0: And and, and I don't think people realize how easy it is for these edges to just dry up. Like how how much how little money it takes or how few people it, it takes to actually move markets. You know, you can have some guy just you know, one guy hitting pinnacle and Chris and suddenly the market, there goes the market.
1: Sometimes. Yeah. And that, so. I mean, I think that that's the, that's the dirty secret that no one under, no, no one realizes how, is how much, you know, Chris essentially is now like controlling the U S market because that's sort of what everyone watches. And that's kind of like the thing that, that, you know, if it's, it's maybe, it maybe seems like a big
0: market, but the reality is,
1: is it's not a big market. So like last, I know this guy that basically just dominates the golf market and extracts all value from the golf market.
0: You, you got to introduce me sometime, but last thing, um, related to the Jambas. So in terms of whether it'll actually win or not, um, any opinions there? Like, do you, and, and cause you know I know they, they have a track record of picks. I mean, I was actually I looking through that, this before. I
1: think that in the bets that they make in the, you know, limited, like the, the, Uh, You know soft openers and thin markets and you know when picking and choosing what they can bet on um, Yeah, I think that there's a there's a decent chance that 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 they will be able to produce a profitable Record over the course of time because they have smart people involved um, And they backed up to this and and you know, I think I think people Can do this like if you spend enough time building a model you can beat the market um, over uh, over a period of time until the market sort of catches up with you, and do they? It, will they keep adapting? Probably, and you know, will will well. we'll, we'll uh, so, but that's again, that's not the question, right? That's the, no, the, I know. The question. They, that's not like the question that even matters. But to that was the degree. question I just asked. And that's you. like the that's the. Pro- I know, but isn't that the problem? Kind of with just this whole argument, which is at the core, like it doesn't matter. Like if if like like Michael is making that the question, right? Be, we can beat the market we, we we will prove it to you if you don't believe us you can short us that's his whole thing and that's not the question the question is can you provide long-term value to, to your subscribers um, to overcome them paying you for these picks when you're at scale and I think the answer to that is no I think I
0: we, the, we both we both agree with that so, so that, but isn't that
1: all that matters isn't the rest of this just well, okay so just slight
0: a hand and and' What not? But let's say he wants to do something like a simple bet or, or, you know, be a sports radar or something like that. And basically, this is his way of, of proving that. Um, so, you know, the question is, or, or I should say, this isn't even a question, but you can beat the market, but also produce a line that is easily beatable, right? I mean, I can, you know, my Massey Peabody lines um, you know, they haven't done well for, for NFL the last few years, but like overall, at least the stuff I released, but like, even, you know, when they were kicking ass, you know, if I had booked based on those prices, I would have gotten my ass beat, you know? Like, so something doesn't have to be just because you can make money betting something doesn't mean that you, you're, you you, make the best price and doesn't mean you can, make a market. It just means that I your understand. price adds some value because also,
1: also that the market doesn't. And also because like, right. I mean, you, and, you're not, when, when you try to make a market in everything, the model that you have is probably different than when you're uh-huh. trying to make a model
0: that just beats the market. Right. So, so, I mean, the question is, would being able to beat the market qualify someone to be able to sort of sell services, you know, sell odds to, a, to an operator?
1: That's a good. That's a good question. That's like the first really insightful thing you've ever said on this podcast. So. Jeff,
0: I've been I've been trying to get to this question for a while, but you're like, this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. Like, what matters is this. What I want to well, say. So, no,
1: I mean, fine.
0: It's only kind I'm, of.
1: I'm sorry, Rufus. It's
0: okay. You're forgiven. I'm sorry. Uh, you really I, got the en- post Burning Man good feelings. Are you, good I was about to here.
1: say you clearly got enlightened at, at Burning Man. That's really really outstanding for you. Um, but no, I mean, I. I, I I would say, I would say yes, with the caveat that it may not be the same actual models or methods, but it will probably be a similar process. Okay. Interesting. It's basically like taking sports data and whatnot and figuring out like what the, out, what the outcome would be based on that. And then probably some tweaking and like you, if you have the right, this, the people that could do, could beat the market, you probably have the people that could price the market at some level.
0: Yeah, but you're right, the, like any model just on, on its own, I think um, you wouldn't be able to book at that price exactly, even if it's...
1: No, I think you'd have to change it. And I think that is an interesting nuance that, that I hadn't thought about. So
0: The other question related to, you know, I guess whether Jambos will win, which you don't really care about, is um, do you think it's possible to win without generating closing line value? Which, I mean, because from what I saw like Jambos, they kicked ass in college basketball, but with negligible closing line value. And I don't know any, you know, I don't know what it was like recently, but they weren't really generating closing line value in major league baseball um, in the beginning of the season. Um, Is it, is it, the thought is like, I mean, closing line values you, you matters because, sharps are often on the same side, right? If you're doing something, there there are other smart people doing something similar. Well, no, I mean, however, if you're doing something, if you're like, if you find something else that nobody else has, you know, if you have some unique data set or unique skill and can see things or inside information that nobody else has, then theoretically closing line value doesn't necessarily matter as much there because you can win without necessarily being on the same side as these other sharper. I mean, I
1: mean, ultimately, isn't it just about like whether you fundamentally believe in that market, that closing line value is the best predictor of what happens. So, I mean, to know this, like, you know, what, what, what Michael is saying, right. When he's saying things like, oh, closing line value doesn't matter as much. You could actually figure that out, right? He's saying he can
0: beat the closing market. What's that? He's saying he can beat the closing line.
1: No, but he, he had a big thing where he was saying that it, in, in sports betting, it doesn't matter as much as people think because th- there was a whole tweet he said about I remember that. that. Yeah. And my, my point is that, okay, let, let's say that that's true. You should be able to actually like do analytics to prove that, right? You should be able to actually like do an analysis to understand like, is closing line value less predictive than it used to be? Or is it less predictive in certain sports or whatnot? You don't have to just say that. And, and if he's got this army of data scientists that they can do this, maybe some of them should be doing some analysis to, to help. Well prove out this, the, these, these hypotheses. Cause that's, that would be interesting, right? Like if he came out and actually had a, a white paper or study that actually showed that like closing line value was less predictive or closing lines were less predictive in certain sports and whatnot. And, and there, it was like good science, that would be a lot more credible to sports bettors than continuing to beat his chest about this guarantee.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, but still, even if you find, like, over a small sample, I, I remember someone showing me saying, you know, hockey openers were more efficient than closers for a year, something like that. And I'm like, that means nothing to me. I mean, that's that's just, you know, logical reasoning dictates that closing lines should be much, should be more efficient. You know, the, the process of price discovery, you know? So I feel like, I mean, I I think closing line value isn't the end all be all necessarily, or, you know, you can closing, I shouldn't say closing lines aren't bulletproof. Closing lines are more bulletproof than opening lines and lines get more efficient throughout the week. But. Rufus, do markets
1: tend towards efficiency?
0: I don't know, Jeff. Do they?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think we, if you believe fundamentally in markets and the wisdom of the crowds, although it's interesting to think about, right? Because there is, especially in some of the, we've talked about this before. There are some markets where we fundamentally believe what drives closing line value is not necessarily um, public money, is not necessarily sharp sure, money, like, right.
0: like like the Super Bowl and things mm-hmm. like that. Super so,
1: Bowl. And, and probably if. Probably a reasonable amount of NFL now right like a but, Thursday a night game or a Monday night game or something like that,
0: but think about this if you bet something at minus one twenty and it closes at you know minus one forty you know you could basically buy out of your position and so even if my even if minus one forty isn't more efficient I mean you can still you know if if closing line value or if the closing line isn't the most efficient then you could then the predicting line movement would be um I don't know where I was getting at exactly, but, but basically, (laughs) no, that that getting closing on value could still matter because it allows you to, you know, buy out of a position profit. Right. Basically, you know, create an ARB.
1: Right. But that's not what people are doing. Right. So anyways, I think, I think it fundamentally goes to like, do you believe that these markets are efficient and over the course of time, we know that markets are efficient. Right, so it's like it's hard fundamentally believe that if you don't have closing line value over you know over the course of time, you probably aren't going
0: to be profitable. I bet his models show that that you know he beats the closing line. I mean, my models show that I beat the closing line, but like also if you're back testing um, and not live testing, I mean, there's all sorts of you know it's it's very hard to actually do a true back test because you still have that. you know, even if you leave out some data, you still are operating on theories that are based on, you know, what has happened and and, and all that. So it's, it's really hard to, um, to, to get a true back tested number. That's yeah. true out of sample back test number. Anyway, um, enough of that, but, Oh, one thing I did want to get to, but you kept, uh, steering me different directions was the problem of the fact that, uh, He does, you know, they're also offering like weekly subscriptions with, or like one week and four week with the sort of money back thing as well. And so I I do think that that creates um, misaligned incentives because you can game the system basically to make sure you have a winning week, right? Right basically well, having more just, picks when you're, I mean, it's, it's just this,
1: the, it's just the, like the idea of even like a public company, um, having to report quarterly earnings.
0: Well, why isn't you, you So if he did something like you, it's 17 weeks or one you. week from whenever, you. from whatever date you sign up, not from this exact date. So everybody has a different mm-hmm. endpoint. to me that, you know, that, then you don't have those. Um, you don't have the potential gaming of the weeks, hmm. and so that creates that makes incentives more aligned. And here's the other thing. You know that if he was on, I would like to ask him, um, if if he believes that this is scalable and that it will not, he won't. You know, that basically customers will still be winning even if they're getting lines that are already moved. Why not offer the guarantee against the closing line? Basically, so even if he, if let's say they they pick the Bears minus three and the game closes minus four and a half. If bear if minus four and a half doesn't win that that you know that's graded you know if the bears win by four the four it's graded as a loss if you do something like that then you know that's that is putting your money where your mouth is in a way that's saying my stuff is so good I
1: think honestly it's just not this whole conversation it's like we should just stop having it okay because like it's next you know, it's just, it's just at the core, we get back down to the, the, the fundamental question is, do we really believe that he's going to be able to, or that Jambos is going to be able to provide long-term value to subscribers? And we, and we don't, and there's a bunch of reasons we don't believe it. And very few of them have to do with whether his, you know, data scientists are good or not. They're more just things that he honestly can't control. And no matter how much she tries to control them, he's not going to be able to control them.
0: That's true. And Jeff, you know, there's a reason I don't have a big team working for me.
1: One, most people couldn't work with you.
0: Yeah. But a secondary reason is the fact that, you know, the pie is only so big. And and if I had a whole team, you know, I wouldn't be, I'd be, you know, I could create better models, but I'd be actually costing myself profit because uh, the market is only so big. Right. And I
1: think that that's, I think that's, that that's a real that's a real issue, right? Which is that fundamentally like this is a really really tough place to make a big living in. And I think that that's one of the things that you and I will probably or that you're specifically going to either have to come to terms with or or fundamentally um, change, which is like whether this is a, a big enough place for someone to make a real 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 living in.
0: What's a real living? Jeff, do you consider well, real, Jeff's like real living, huh, 10 million a year.
1: No, 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 no. I, I mean, I think what you do is a real living. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing what you do, but I do think like the sustainability of what you do is challenging and, and you know that and even your ability to want to scale has, has been challenged at times. For sure. And I think like you fundamentally hope that the market, and legalization in the U S and like people like you and Spanky who, who make a living off this fundamentally hope that the, the market grows in a way that more people can make a living off of this. And, and like, I, I, I give you guys credit for wanting that. I just think it's like, it's the same thing as me wishing that people would let me play blackjack in their casino so I could continue to count, count cards. It's just not going to happen.
0: Right. But you see the way the world is going and, and you you know that it's not suddenly going to backtrack and people will, you know people won't suddenly start not understanding card counting and, and letting you play blackjack so you know you basically have to adapt to that world and it, it looks like more and more books are limiting winning bettors and so how do you adapt to that world and and honestly i'm not sure what the right answer is for me but you know that's what you know possibly doing some you know that's why i'm possibly interested in something on the operator side because that's something you could scale and where you can you know use analytics and and you're still betting in a way but Um, but I don't know. I I don't know the answer, but hopefully you know, hopefully there'll be something that's that's fun and interesting. Otherwise I'll just, you know, sit on a beach and enjoy the rest of my life.
1: Um this burning man thing really just had a great impact on you. You're just so zen now. Uh can we can we just jump into like I don't want to go too much longer because I have two kids that are about on the verge of waking up, but uh let's talk a little bit about some football.
0: Okay. That's what everybody wants to hear anyway. We're
1: talking off the air about the fact that you're showing a ton of value on underdogs going into week one.
0: Yeah, I was. You know, first off, I should say yeah, my stuff isn't them? really ready. Has it been extracted out? No, it's still there, I think. I'm not betting it all necessarily because I don't have my player level model ready. Do you, do you see value in Green Bay tonight? No. I actually, if anything, show a little value in Chicago. Shouldn't there be a lot of value in Chicago? I was, like,
1: looking at Massey Peabody's numbers from the end of last year, and this would have been based on what your numbers were, like, Chicago by 10.
0: Wasn't Rodgers injured at the end of the year, though? Or am I making that up?
1: Dumbass. I'm a dumbass. Dumas.
0: Was he, like, I think he was, right? He didn't play the last Or He didn't play. That's what it was. They they sat him out. I'm such a dumbass. Did you place a bet on the Bears based off of that? No. Well, no, I mean... Among no, other I things. It wasn't, it
1: wasn't based on that, but, I mean, I, I do think three is a short number. Um, yeah, who was quarterbacking for them at the end of last year? He, got, he sat the last game. I don't think he sat all the I games. I think it was two. I
0: think it was last two.
1: Yeah. Once so, they, once I they mean, they were it's still, still a fair fair disparity irregardless of whether uh, Rodgers is eh. playing. But they say, like, Rodgers influences his point spread like seven points, right?
0: Not anymore, I don't think. But, you know, that actually gets to – to what I was going to say is the fact that looking through, there is not a huge disparity in in sort of um, my power rankings um, amongst the different teams. Um, In fact, I show less dispersion um, than any dispersion, fewer dispersions. I'm going to cast. Yeah. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Cast aspersions. Um, no, th- there's ba- so basically teams say, are more clubbed together than they have been ever in the Massey. Can I say that, era. like, if you
1: went back and listened to our podcast from this time last year, you said the exact same thing. Did I really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, but this is even, this is even more no, extreme. No, but this is like when you were, we
1: went over, like, season totals, and you were like, I want over in this team because, the like, the Jets or the Browns, whoever it was last year that everyone thought was sucking – you, you want it over on them because you're just like, I see a, a bigger, a, less of a spread than the market does.
0: Well, what, what's interesting is the reasoning, reason behind this. And, and I don't know if it's all Let just stuff that point. I'm not modeling properly or if, it's, if there's, you know, or part of it's stuff. I'm, I mean, I'm sure part of it's there's stuff I'm not modeling properly, but or, or model, you know, it could, it could never enough. be
1: your fault. Uh,
0: you're right. Let's, let's just edit that up, last part out. Hey, Matt, um, take that out, please.
1: <laughs> We're just kidding. Just Keep kidding.
0: Um, but, no, I, I think it, it has to do with the quarterback position and the fact that, you know, if you've if you if you've had a fantasy football draft this year, I'm sure you've heard that, you know, don't take your quarterback early because the position is so deep. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily deep, but but what I'm saying, but there just isn't this huge disparity between, you know, the the top quarterbacks and sort of the medium guys and even the sort of, Back end. I mean, you have a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick who's – is he considered the worst starting quarterback in the league right now? What do you think? Maybe?
1: I don't know. But he's – You have a a first-year starter and Kyler Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's a a big wild card. There's not a lot of track record of that being a a good
0: situation. I mean, public perception is Fitzpatrick is the worst probably. But Fitzpatrick, you know, can also – Yes, he's very smart. Um, not as smart as, as if he went to Yale, but, but close. Um, and MIT, yeah.
1: MIT, he probably would not be in the NFL. No. There would be a reason he went to MIT. Because
0: they don't have a football team.
1: MIT has a football team. It's Division three. Oh, man. And they were actually pretty – like, MIT's athletics have gotten better. I mean, it's not like anything relevant in the world of, like, Division I ath- athletics, but, I mean S- – Speaking of relevance, am I going to get to make
0: my point or No. You're okay. Regardless of your point. So, so Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, can win you games. He, I mean, he can also single handedly lose you games. But, but you don't have. The, this isn't the days of John Skelton for you know and versus Peyton Manning or something. You remember when or um, Terrell Pryor is a quarterback or you know there was. I understand your, your, your I mean, point
1: is that even the worst quarterback is somewhat serviceable yes. and quarterback position has created this much deeper spread, much like th- that's caused the situation. So exactly. why, why, what has evolved in the quarterback position that that is the case?
0: Well, one thing is that you have a bunch the former, the stars are all aging Brady breeze Rogers rivers. Um, I mean, you can't call Manning a star, but you know, he's a, he's old too. You got a bunch of really old guys, Roethlisberger, that are on the downside of their career and could fall off a cliff at any time, slasher in the process of falling off cliffs. But they're they're not the players they used to be, and and the other part is the fact that you have a bunch of young guns that are pretty good that I'm slow to adapt to, and I think this is where the Massey peabody model, um, the, the the sort of massive peabody team level model, um, you know, is kind of weak, and the fact that it, it is slow to. Adapt to these sort of younger quarterbacks being actually true stars. So I think it's lower on Mahomes than it probably should be. Um, probably lower on Deshaun Watson. Um, Wentz, you know, Wentz hasn't actually even played that well. So I don't know what to say about him. But but that's something where I, you know I'm looking forward to having the player model already, and it's because that'll actually um, I'll be able to have a much better sense of of quarterback talent. Um, Oh, and I forgot about Baker Mayfield, who everybody thinks is going to be great. But, you know, we don't – honestly, if you're doing something just based off of, um, you know, just statistically, you don't really have enough data to really say that Baker Mayfield is, getting, is going to be this great quarterback. <laughs> Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the problem – well, one of the things is that these guys are playing – I mean, the, the if anything, right, the the paradigm – uh, or the, the stationarity of quarterback data set is it's non-stationary because um, quarterbacks are playing earlier now than they used to. And so it's hard to actually judge um, like these, these young quarterbacks because in the, in the past um, it just didn't happen as much. So I, I just don't think the data set is as relevant um, in, in for, for some of these past you know projections.
0: That's a very good point. That is, uh, that is a very good point. And that's something that, you know, where I'm having to wrestle with. And, but I, I think also part of it is we we see these young quarterbacks that are playing well, but we also, you know, for, for every um, for every Pat Mahomes, you have, um, I don't know, I'm blanking on names, but you have guys that um, were supposed to be good, you know, that were highly touted, played well for a little while, and then ended up just disappearing and not being that great also so i think guys are getting a chance earlier but that doesn't necessarily mean they're all succeeding but you're, but the game is evolving you're right um and
1: well and then also like the, the just the the you know what's what's interesting to me is this this statement okay well the quarterback spread isn't as big but the impact of quarterbacks has to it's be huge higher, right because the amount of throwing that we do now it's huge
0: you're right the, so, the impact of quarterbacks is, is ginormous
1: <laughs> i like the use of ginormous there um do we want to give some picks sure
0: we can do that i'm why don't
1: I we just why don't we just each give and, and we won't tackle future we'll tackle futures next week because it takes a while to get through usually
0: well plus i'm not really prepared this week i'm just kind of I, I'm, I'm trying to catch up with you know i was off the grid for the worst possible week of the year so
1: so you owe me dinner still from last year and so let's have another dinner bet um this year and let's just let's just each pick one game this week but we'll do like a running total and i think we'll what we'll end up doing is have you know like a, a record at the end of the year and we'll record this in the in the actual
0: talk. let's do more than one we we have college and pro right
1: yeah but i mean i don't yeah. there's the pregame model for i don't have i'm not doing anything pregame for college so. okay
0: I'm not doing anything halftime for yeah, college this year.
1: Telling people I trust.
0: Are, are you still? Are you still betting college half
1: I don't think so. Did you week one? I we did we did week zero. <laughs> How did that turn out? Week zero was great, <laughs> and then the beginning of week one was great, and I was like, "Oh, okay, maybe I should we should really actually bet these." And then week the rest of week one was just horrid. You got your ass handed to you. Yeah, I, I just I mean I think there's a lot of reasons reasons why you like doing college second half is a dumpster fire mostly it's just the level of effort you have to put in because you really got to be there when that when that thing pops or otherwise you're going to lose the value yeah and then you're going to have like the the adverse selection that we've talked about where the only things you end up getting down are the things where the market disagrees with you and they're probably your shittier picks
0: exactly um, By the way, i just had this flashback to last year when i was talking about Deshaun Watson and Jimmy Garoppolo and I think there's one other quarterback and I was saying that you know maybe Mahomes too I was saying well you know one of them will probably end up being really good um but there'll be one guy that doesn't that that becomes a journeyman and like I don't know basically that people were way too confident these guys were gonna be good and I remember that San Fran and I thought the team win totals were all too high as a result and I mean, Watson had a pretty good year. Well, Garoppolo right? got
1: hurt. So he got hurt again. But yeah, let's, let's not use him as the as the. I mean, I think your big thing was. Well, that Watson was like, one of the big things. things to be. Talking about was like play. Deshaun Watson wasn't that good, and like everyone thinks he's so great, and he just he wasn't that good. Yeah. And okay.
0: So. Okay. Let's, okay. Let's 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 do picks. How about let's do um, one NFL, one college, or you don't want any? will do two.
1: I'll do two NFL. You can do one NFL, one college.
0: I'll do two NFL too. We we can
1: skip college for later.
0: Oh, I want a college pick from you. But oh, also before before the podcast ends, I should probably give a little public service announcement about Massey Peabody and the fact that like because I know that the website right as of now the website has not been updated for NFL of this season and I'm still Kate and I are still trying to figure out what our exact plan for it is. Um, I'm a little behind on some stuff I wanted to do and model improvements, but we're yeah, probably going to be doing.
1: I had to use. I went there and I had to use last year's numbers. so That just huh. Just I wasn't very
0: You know, you know, I'm gonna get some email from somebody being like on Monday, being like, "Oh, your know, your numbers did great! Like they were so far off the market, but they were amazing." Or, or they'll say, "You know, your numbers are so bad, and I got killed, just because of using last year's numbers." But
1: okay, yeah. what's your first game?
0: Okay, my first game is going to be the Dolphins. Is a. I think seven point home underdog. Is that right? Is it still seven? Jeff, six and a half. It's six. I'll take him at six and a half looking at this right now. The Massey Peabody numbers, uh, 1.2, which is, you know, it, it, it doesn't know that Miami traded away all their players. Well, and and that's also, why I'm like, waiting for the everyone. Everyone, everyone to wants to, to sh-
1: everyone's everyone's rushing in line to shit on the dolphins right now. So right. Just take it, take, take your turn. So it, they have, have a competent sense. quarterback with that number and everyone's like loving Lamar and, Makes So sense.
0: Lamar, though, the the interesting thing is, I've I like intuitively, I have, I'm of two minds regarding Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, one is the fact that we don't really, you know, th- they're different, so we don't really know what we're getting from them. So how can we be that confident that he's going to be th- good? But the second part is that also they've had all offseason to sort of plan an offense around him, and, and that the league may be slow to adapt to that. You know, I mean, it's like the beginning of the Wildcat or, or you know RG three. Um, it's rookie season, right? I mean, it's hard to prepare for something you haven't none really of, seen. None and of this. this is helpful. <laughs> I know. But, but now I'm, I'm trying to sound like a talking head.
1: You are. That's why I'm saying none of this is helpful. I think the Dolphins reality Ravens. it makes a lot of sense that the Dolphins would have value, right? Like people are on the Ravens. Everyone hates the Dolphins. Going into week one, probably teams aren't quite as bad as you think they are and not good as you think they
0: are. So take the six and a half and but, run. And by the way, the Massey Peabody number—I'm not saying that's right because that doesn't affect account for all the, you know, trades and yeah. the fact that they didn't have any Aaron players. Rogers, and
1: Aaron Rodgers is playing this week, and he didn't play at the end of last season.
0: Um, what? Green? Uh, what? what? What does Aaron Rodgers have to do with Miami? Nothing. I'm just okay, Just fun, fun of my—I was making fun of myself. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm saying my, my player level model will probably say something completely different, but I haven't. Gotten that I
1: mean, you gotta like the set. Titans plus six, right? I mean, everyone's on Cleveland. thinks Cleveland's great. Titans weren't so bad last year. I mean,
0: is that your I mean, pick? Uh, is that pick one for you?
1: Sure, I'll make that a pick. Titans plus six. I like that too. What's your sec? What's your third one? What's your second one? So,
0: my second one, I'm going to go with. You know what? I'm going to go with the Redskins plus ten. <laughs> It's, that seems like a very high number. I mean, I
1: it know such a, it's such a, well, it opened at like seven and went up to 10, right? But yeah. some of that might've been uncertainty about whence, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. 10 is a lot, but again, like everyone is also rushing in line to shit on the Redskins. So these are the teams that these are the stinky ass teams that you end up betting on.
0: Yeah. But the Redskins deserve to be shot upon. I got, I'm, I'm a Redskins one. fan. I know I personally. Okay. What's your second? Uh, Jacksonville plus three. I like that one. I like that
1: one a lot. It's plus three
0: even. Oh, actually, I don't I like it a lot. Never go, mind. I, don't I think like it's going
1: to go to three and a half. So wait, it's going go to make it two. Just wait, wait, people, wait, because it's plus three plus one hundred at Chris right now. So I'm
0: surprised it's not higher. Why? Why do you think it's not higher? I Cause mean, because 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 Nick Foles is the quarterback for the Jags now.
1: I talked about this game on, on Tony Kornheiser's show this morning, and I was like, is it possible for an entire season to be a short sample size or an overreaction? Because, you know, like if you think about Jacksonville going into last year, they were one of the hottest young teams, period, right? And um, they did fix their quarterback situation, hopefully. I mean, hopefully Foles is the answer. Otherwise, they had,
0: it would be really sad. They had literally the shittiest offensive coordinator ever last year, though, and most predictable play calling, so... It, it it wasn't it didn't make it easy on Bortles.
1: But I don't know. There's some pretty shitty offensive coordinators out there.
0: It's ridiculous how teams just keep re, like you know, hiring you the know, same guys, like Just a bunch of retreads. You
1: know who's almost become this cartoon? And I like him personally, but I, I feel like his Twitter stuff is now like he's like almost like a clown Warren Sharp. No, no, Kevin Cole. Kevin Cole. Yeah. I mean, we, we like him. He's smart. He, he knows, he knows what he's talking about, but he's like so adamant about some certain things like this, this analytics. He's like definitely taking the, uh, waving the, the, the flag for the, the analytics movement. Although he did actually say something the other day that was kind of like, Oh, maybe this is a stuff that you, you can't figure out if, if you're not in the locker room kind of thing. I think it was about like the Antonio Brown, but there's all this like now confirmation bias about Antonio Brown trade being like a good trade. Cause the, he got suspended. Right.
0: <laughs> Too early to evaluate, but yeah,
1: for sure. Too early to evaluate either way. So, regardless of that.
0: Okay, so so you have your two picks, right? Is that correct? Yeah, you have your two. or did you pick your second one? Yeah, yeah. I took the the Redskins, and first the first one was the Dolphins. Yeah, done. So you're going for the okay. biggest underdogs on the board. Cool. All right. Do we want. Wait, do we want any college football picks? Yeah, give a give a couple college football picks because we did that give last the, year. Give, give the people what they want, Rufus. I have to give the people what they want. Sometimes I'm gonna have to kind of scroll through here and find. Just don't, find. don't, don't, don't give
1: any reasoning because the reasoning's stupid usually that we have to come up with because we literally are doing exactly what we
0: hate. That's we'll very true. Narratives for why these things are what they are. That's very true. okay. So for my my first pick for college, I will take Texas A&M. I think it's plus seventeen and a half. Hi, Jeff's kid. Um sorry totally happen, people. I that's will, totally I will fine. myself. <laughs> no, we want to hear your kid. No, you don't want to hear my kid. He's got a better voice than me. We have A M plus 17 and a half. And I guess I need a second one. And so for that one, I'm just gonna confirm that I'm giving a line that's actually I want to confirm that these lines are actually still there. Sorry, A and M plus seventeen. Excuse me. Plus seventeen. I, I really like that actually. I make it only a nine point spread. I think A is is quite good and I, I don't think I think Clemson played a lot worse than the final score indicated last week. Sorry Jeff, I actually said things I wasn't supposed to. The second one, I'm gonna take Vanderbilt plus seven at Purdue. and that's that.
1: All right. Well, that's it. And thanks for joining
0: us. See you guys next week.